The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, Say to those whose hearts are frightened, Be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, then the tongue of the mute will sing. Streams will burst forth in the desert, and rivers in the steppe. The burning sands will become pools, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Again Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee, into the district of the Decapolis. And people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. He put his finger into the man's ears, and spitting, touched his tongue. Then he looked up to heaven and groaned, and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately the man's ears were opened, his speech impediment was removed, and he spoke plainly. He ordered them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. They were exceedingly astonished, and they said, He has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. The Gospel of the Lord. Before I begin today, I would like to take a moment to wish a belated happy birthday to my mother and your mother. As yesterday, September 8th, we celebrated the Blessed Virgin Mary's birthday nine months to the day after the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. I don't know about you, but I can certainly use a loving mother with great connections these days. So, happy birthday, Mom. God's words to the prophet Isaiah are addressed to those whose hearts are frightened. Are your hearts feeling a little frightened these days? I think it would be understandable if they were, in light of all this junk going on in the church today with the abuse scandal. Dealing with sexual abuse by clergy against both children by pedophiles and to a much larger degree against teenagers and young adults by predatory homosexuals. And just so we are clear, I said predatory homosexuals, which does not refer to chaste, same-sex attracted clergy but simply those who act in a predatory manner to sexually abuse victims. Of course, it is no longer just the offenses themselves, most of which took place many years ago, but the additional, also serious issue of cover-up. Who knew what and when, and what they did or did not do about it? This issue has involved and cast suspicion on all levels of the church hierarchy, including now even Pope Francis himself. Add to this the constant exposure and added drama by the public media 
that no longer can be depended on to report accurately and completely, but instead does so with a bias based on their own agenda, is it any wonder that as Catholics, our hearts might be a little frightened these days? But I believe that these scriptures that we read occur on this day as no accident, but as a clear and definite message from God himself to each and every one of us. Because in many ways, these problems, bad as they are, were compounded and exacerbated due to both a deafness on the part of certain members of the church administration and to a muteness or unwillingness to speak out by some members of the clergy. But the words of both God the Father through Isaiah, God the Son in the Gospel, and God the Spirit in the Psalm speak to us of healing, of curing, of opening the ears and the mouths to fix what was broken, set captives free, and thwart the way of the wicked. So I say to you loud and clear, be strong, fear not, here is your God, he comes to save you. Because as uncomfortable as this business is for all of us, it's exposure to the light, it's being brought out into the open, is a good thing. Because as horrible as the abuse was, it was going on. It existed, but was hidden. If the structure of a church building is found to be infested with termites, while the discovery of the damage and the cost of the repair is not pleasant, discovering the problem and removing it before it does any more damage is a good thing. The termites were already there eating away at the wood, compromising the structure. They were just undiscovered and therefore were doing and would continue to do damage until the building was lost. The discovery and the eradication of the termites is a good thing because that which was weakening and would ultimately destroy the church was discovered and could now be stopped, removed, and the building protected and restored. My point is this, that as awful and terrible as the news of the abuse and cover-up has been, it isn't something that just took place. It is something that has existed and was ongoing for some time. And even if we didn't know it, God knew it. And his exposure of it will now allow us to take measures to provide recompense for many, vindication for others but also purification, reformation, and restoration, not only to the church, but to the system within it that failed. If this is not a work of God, I don't know what is. When Francis of Assisi was praying before the crucifix in the chapel at San Damiano, he heard the Lord speak to him to rebuild my church, which is in ruins. And Francis thought the Lord was talking about the physical building of San Damiano Chapel, which was in disrepair. So he set about fixing up the building itself. First alone, and then with the help of others, he repaired and restored the chapel. 
He didn't realize until later that Jesus was talking about the larger church that was in need of renewal. This task St. Francis also accomplished by the founding of the Franciscan Order for Men, the Poor Clares for Women, and eventually the Third Order for lay people, all of which worked together to renew the church. The response of the faithful who helped St. Francis, both in the rebuilding of the physical church of San Damiano and of the greater church through that renewal, was not the retreat of the frightened. It was the charge of the empowered. Our response today to this crisis can be no less immediate, inspired, or directed. Certain aspects of the church need to be fixed, and as faithful Catholics, we need to get our heads on straight and get about the task of fixing it. It may not be as dramatic as Jesus speaking audibly from the crucifix, but I believe in today's scripture we can hear God calling us to action as well. What can we do? First of all, as Father Rod said a few weeks ago when he spoke on this topic, let me make crystal clear that this is, as much as anything, a spiritual battle. The evil that is present and the devastation it perpetrates on the victims and on the church is straight from hell. Therefore, our efforts must be in opposition to the devil and his evil intentions. So as Jesus told us when dealing with demons, we must pray and fast. First for the victims and their families, then for the greater church, its leadership, and its clergy, and also for the civil justice system and the community at large it serves. And in the same way that extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures, if we want to be part of the solution, we have to pray and fast beyond what is normal for us. Skip a meal. Add a rosary. Make the chaplet of divine mercy, or as we now do after Mass, pray the prayer of St. Michael as part of your daily prayer. Make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Strap on your sword and run to the battle. Now, some of you may say, well, given the questions raised, I'm not quite sure how to pray for those cardinals, bishops, and priests accused of wrongdoing. My advice is rather than getting caught up in who you are praying for, remember who you are praying to. You are praying to God who knows all, from whom nothing is hidden. He doesn't read the papers or check social media to find out who did what. He knows who did what. So we can be comfortable praying for those involved depending on God's knowledge and judgment in words such as these. Dear Lord, I pray or offer this sacrifice on behalf of bishop or father whoever. In accord with your holy will, if he is innocent of wrongdoing, I pray that he be exonerated to continue his good work in serving you and the church. If he has made errors, I pray that they be brought to light, that he admit them, repent of them, and submit to correction and reform as needed to better serve your holy church. If, Lord, he has committed crimes or serious offenses that render him unfit to continue in his service to the church, I pray, Lord, if it is your holy will that he be removed from his position, that justice be served, and that he repent and through your mercy obtain salvation. We can't go wrong if we pray in accord with God's knowledge, 
justice, and holy will. In addition to our prayer and fasting, we the faithful can also make our voices heard. We can write our bishop or the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops expressing our support and concern, our desire for accountability and transparency. You as lay people also could offer to participate as part of the suggested laity involvement in reforms and oversight going forward. And as important as these things are, it is also important that we keep our heads held high. While, as St. Paul says in Ephesians, we draw our strength from the Lord and from His mighty power. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities, with the powers, with the world rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens. We must remember that the basis for our faith is not with any human individual, but with our mighty God, not in relationship with the weakness of humanity, which is sure to fail us, but with the awesome, holy, mighty God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who will never fail us. While the sins of the members of the community wound the church, they cannot kill it. And we must now more than ever conduct ourselves as believers, rooted in a faith that cannot be shaken by human weakness, that rests in the truth, in the relationship, in the love, mercy, and power of God. We are not meant to be on the sidelines in this battle. We are called to be in the thick of it. This is not a time to stand idly by, lamenting or complaining. This is a time to get up and get going. Our prayers, our service, our intercession, and our sacrifice make a difference. They make a difference to the victims who have suffered so much. And they make a difference to the vast majority of good, chaste, dedicated, faithful, and holy priests, bishops, and deacons who have done nothing wrong, but are being treated with suspicion and contempt because of the wrongful actions of the few, who have damaged not only their victims, but the church as well. I want to close with the words from the 64th Psalm, which was part of yesterday's noontime prayer. Just as in today's readings, God's word is on point and offers assurance and hope. Hear my voice, O God, as I complain. Hide me from the band of the wicked, from the throng of those who do evil. They scheme their evil course. They conspire to lay secret snares. They say, who will see us? Who can search out our crimes? He will search who searches the mind and knows the depths of the heart. God has shot them with his arrow and dealt them sudden wounds. Then will all men fear. They will tell what God has done. They will understand God's deeds. The just will rejoice in the Lord and fly to him for refuge. All the upright hearts will glory. For questions or comments on this homily, write to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.